Oh, good morning again. Strange to hear that twice in one day. Those of you that know me well will be very pleased to know I do own a suit. My wife keeps this, keeps this around in case she needs something to bury me in. And also in case I get called by Brother Shannon to uh, speak here. I uh, warn you is if you do become a deacon that you will be called on vacation to do things. It's the second year in a row that David Shannon has called me while on vacation. Last year he called me in Panama City while I was at the beach. This year he caught me in the middle of Disney's Animal Kingdom. And he has a compelling way of asking you uh, to come and do something. One of those ways where you know you just need to come and do it. So I was very pleased while I was sweating in 95 degree heat to tell him I'd be glad to come and talk about service as a deacon. And in particular, we're going to be talking about uh, a verse that uh, just after the verses that Brother Hackney talked about in 1 Timothy chapter 3, verse 13. And uh, that verse says, I read from the New American Standard Translation, there's some different words on what we're going to address here in just a second. But it says in verse 13 of 1 Timothy chapter 3, for those who have served well as deacons obtain for themselves a high standing and great confidence in the faith that is in Christ Jesus. And that word confidence in some translations is translated boldness, I believe, in the New King James and also uh, NIV as assurance. And I thought about, he asked me to think about and talk about what has been a deacon done to give me that great confidence or assurance uh, in the faith. And it has given me a great deal, and I want to tell you why, uh, leading up to a couple of things. I got to looking in the, the dictionary, I started thinking about what the word confidence means. And it means the quality or state of being certain a relation of trust or intimacy, and a reliance on another's direction. And a synonym listed below for that is assurance. And that reliance on another's direction, obviously when we're serving as a deacon, is on the direction of our eldership who oversees our ministry, uh, particularly my ministry is overseen by the missions-minded uh, elder, David Burka, uh, and that's been a pleasure to work with him, but also the other elders' leadership, and ultimately the leadership of Jesus Christ. Uh, and what's found in the scripture. Uh, that relation of a trust or intimacy and the quality and state of being certain. We, we live in a society where we love assurances. And it's one of those things where it's why we have insurance on everything that we own. There's even insurance on pets, which after just getting through paying a vet bill to try to save a dog I had that had cancer and died, uh, I now know why you might want to have pet insurance because it about broke me. I think I could have uh, been treated cheaper than the dog. But, it, it, we live in a society where we seldom want to go to a new job or a new workplace or change anything in our life unless we know with great assurance that there's little to no risk in that. And that's why we buy insurance on cars and on our homes. And when we go take a job, we check things out. And it, there's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with being confident and being assured. I think it's a, a due diligent thing to do. It's something that I've seen and helped me grow in the el- watching the eldership of this church make decisions uh, as Brother Hackney put it on one retreat, that they filter everything through the Bible so that we can have a confidence that we're doing things in the Lord's body according to the Lord's will. Now look at that faith. When it says confidence or assurance in the faith, I started thinking about what that word faith means to me. And that word is something we've seen thrown around a lot uh, in today's society. We hear our government call about faith-based and issues of these things and other. And most people, when they think about a faith, they think about your religious belief or your set of religious belief, either your Christian faith, Jewish faith, uh, the Islamic faith, whatever faith that is. To me, faith is a verb, and it's an active word. And faith, to me, is what we see enumerated in Hebrews chapter 11, 
when we look at those great heroes, those men and women of the scripture that the Hebrews writer tells us about their great faith and what they did to achieve that faith. One of my favorite stories in the Bible and a story I can't even fathom being in the situation of is Abraham's great faith. When the Lord said, take that son I gave you, Isaac, the one you waited on for so long, the one I promised you, the one I told you that many generations will come from and take him up and sacrifice him to me. And that there's no argument recorded in the scriptures. There's no resistance by Abraham to go and sacrifice his child to God. That faith is active. We see about Rahab. We see about other people in the scriptures that have that great faith. Uh, And it's assigned to us in Hebrews chapter 11. If you want to turn there with me. In the first few verses of that great chapter. uh, Before the author begins enumerating on people like Enoch and Uh, and Abraham and Moses, another one of my heroes from Scripture, and even starting out with Abel and his sacrifice. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1 says, Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. For by it the men of old gained approval. By faith we understand that the worlds were prepared by the word of God, so that what is seen was not made out of things which are visible. The assurance of things hoped for. That faith that we have is our trust In the Bible, we're buying into that. When we become Christians and we place our faith in the things that the Scriptures tell us, that is the assurance of things hoped for. Well, how has being a deacon done that for me? It has reinforced my faith in God's Word a thousandfold over. When I was first asked to be a a deacon, uh, I had been doing some teaching in classroom here in the church, and I had been doing jail ministry work uh, under Terry Burton, the deacon of it at that time. And... uh, I was a Christian, became baptized uh, very nearly nine years ago in October of 2000. I've been raised in the church all my, or in a religious environment all my life and uh, believed in Jesus Christ and uh, believed in the Bible and all those things and studied the Bible, but I never really had repented truly and turned my life over to Christ and been baptized into his body. And five years later, I had a one-year-old child at home and uh, I was asked to be a, a deacon and I looked over the qualifications like Brother Hackney's read. It's very humbling. Uh, to think and study on whether or not you meet those qualifications. Uh, and I was okay with all of them, uh, managing my children well, how you manage a one-year-old well, that's loosely defined. Uh, but I felt like she was safe and in a home and I was putting food in her mouth. That's really about all I could manage right then other than not getting sleep. Uh, for those of you that know my daughter, she is very, very spunky. Um, but the part that Brother Hackney touched on a little while ago, the mystery of the conscience, uh, excuse me, the mystery of the faith with a clear conscience, that was a complicated verse to me. And I struggled with it a little bit. And I thought about it as I was preparing for this lesson uh, and that mystery of the faith. What does it mean to hold to the mystery of the faith? And Brother Hackney said it so well. Uh, that I, The mystery of the faith, Paul mentions a great deal in Romans and Ephesians and Colossians. And he refers to the gospel that's been revealed. He refers to the church. He refers to the plan of salvation, the coming of Jesus Christ, and the final revelation of God, the final contract, the final testament that he gives us is the mystery that he'd been revealed. And he, he told that many times to the church in Colossae and Ephesus. Uh, he mentioned it to the church in Rome. Uh, and that helped me understand that. I talked to many of my friends and also confided in, in, in David Burka, who's a great friend of mine and a good mentor to me. Uh, what did that mean? And after thinking about it, I do hold that mystery of that faith. I understand. I believe in Jesus Christ. I know that he's the son of God. And I know that he came to save the world from his sins. It's not a matter of belief. It's something that I know. And that knowledge has been edified by being a deacon. I want to tell you the reasons why that is. This is just a few of the reasons. I don't have time 
because uh, I'll get thrown out of here on my ear. I know uh, if I go over time uh, against the 9 o'clock hour. Uh, other thing is I'm not used to be, God doesn't usually see me this early in the morning, so I apologize if it's, I'm a late service guy, so I apologize if it's not the best uh, sermon. God is not used to seeing me by another hour. Uh, you firsthand see how thirsty the world is for the gospel of Jesus Christ. And I'm going to tell you that going into prisons, you see people that are into their rope. There is, I don't care what you think about jail. If you think the fact that they have TV in there and a decent bed to sleep in is too cushy, I'm going to tell you something. Jail is jail. And the people that are in jail and are in and out of jail all their life are at the end of their rope. And to see when the gospel's preached truthfully, accurately, passionately by people who love God, to see that people listen and want that thing, to see that people want that peace that's in their life is an awesome thing. And I thought again in Hebrews chapter 4 where he talks about the word of God is sharper than any two-edged sword. And it is. When it's powerfully preached, people need it. And the same goes for other deacons in this congregation who go to the hospitals or you go to wherever it is that you go and you take the gospel to people. The world is thirsty for it and they will react to it when it's preached accurately and faithfully and truthfully. People will respond to it. There is no greater pleasure that I've had in life of being having the opportunity to baptize people in the Lord Jesus Christ. And that's not to glorify Tim Martin. That's just the opportunity to present it there because of the hard work of the people in my ministry that go and talk to the people in the jail. And the result was we've baptized some folks up there. We've taken confessions from people and they've been able to be baptized. And what an awesome, awesome thing that is. What I'm going to tell you is my faith and confidence in that faith is being built up because I've seen people respond to God's word just like he tells us that they will. The second thing is you get to work with other brothers and sisters in Christ who are passionately committed to sharing God's word with other people. I'm going to brag a little bit on the people that are in the jail ministry. If I had to go to war tomorrow, I'd take every one of them with me because they are strong, strong soldiers. I can rely on them to be there on time, to stay on schedule. We have a very complicated and rotating schedule in the jail ministry. They're there. When I call them and need somebody, they'll come. And, man, they are passionate about sharing God's word. They follow up with letters. They follow up with calls to people's families. Uh, they do correspondence. They send correspondence courses into the jail. They take a great deal of their own time and commit it to doing it. And, boy, that's awesome to see. It is humbling to see. We as deacons, we just kind of hold the reins, and we let the horse do the work. And that's what we're supposed to do. We're not supposed to come in and do all the work. We're supposed to get people involved in doing the work. And to see the passion of people that have been Christians a great deal longer than I have been, many of them in our jail ministry, to see how passionate they are about bringing it. Paul quotes Isaiah 52, 7 and Romans 10, 15. And how beautiful indeed are the feet of those who bring the good news of good things. And Isaiah 52, 7 describes those good things as peace, happiness, and salvation. And it is a beautiful sight to see. The Lord increases your workload. In Matthew chapter 25 and verse 23, Scripture says, His master said to him, Well done, well done good and faithful slave. You were faithful with a few things, and I will put you in charge of many things. Enter into the joy of your master. A lot of people just look at that verse and they talk about, Well done, my good and faithful servant. Enter into the joy of your master. They leave out that other part. I'm going to tell you this much. Doing hard work as a deacon, the Lord has increased my workload. And I see that when things get more and more opportunities come about in the jail ministry, whatever they are, I see that opportunity increasing. So therefore, I know that we're doing good work. Because when you're faithful with a few things, it's just like in the workplace. You, you go into the workplace as a new employee or something, you do a good job with the few responsibilities you have, the boss heaps more and more on you. 
especially today where most people in the workplace aren't willing to take on any more workload. Same thing goes in the church. If you're not willing to take on any more workload, well, the boss is not going to put anything more on you. He's probably going to wind up running you off. In this situation, people that are willing to do the work, the Lord will heap more on them because there is tons to be done. We've got over 40-some-odd deacons, and we probably need more. We could come up with ministries to serve every day. And this message is not just meant for those men out there, and I tried to tailor it not just for men who are thinking about or you may be considering to become deacons. This is for everybody. Doing work in the Lord's church and being around effective brothers and sisters in Christ, seeing the gospel work being accomplished, having more work put on you because you're doing a good job in the Lord's eyes is something for everybody. When we look at the qualifications for elders in 1 Timothy and also in Titus, and we look at these qualifications for a deacon in 1 Timothy, these are attributes we all should have. Obviously, you can't be the husband of a wife if you're a woman, but all the, all the other aspects of it, we all should strive to have those kind of aspects in our life, not only if we're going to try to be an elder or a deacon as a man in the church, but anybody that's involved in the Lord's work, and you'll see these things done. The last thing that I want to say, because I know I'm running out of time, just like Brother Hackney said, the Lord's plan for leadership in his, in his church functions. It works. I'm going to tell you that I'd follow these elders in this church anywhere because I know that they make godly decisions. The deacons that are working here, the work of this church and the Lord's church has increased because of the hard work of the elders and deacons of this church. When I first started coming to church here in 1996, before I got married to my wife in 97, this church had about 350 people of it. We met over there in a green-carpeted, white-walled old auditorium with wood paneling, and they were building this building when I got married, and we had to get married at Center Chapel because of the construction going on here. It has grown a 1,000 people. Guys, that's only about 10 years ago. And the work that's been increased, how many more deacons there are, how many more ministries, the foreign countries that we're in, Sudan, that work's been laid in this congregation's lap, I believe, by the Lord Jesus Christ to take it on because he knows we can take care of it. It pays a lot of dividends. There's two kinds of people in this world. There's leaders and there's followers, and the Lord needs both. He needs leadership in his church, and it's effective if it's done right. And those who follow effective leadership can do great work and reap great things. There's a great reward in having good standing in the sight of the Lord. There's great satisfaction and peace in leading and serving with meekness and humility. It's not about being the king of something. While we get the job done. Think about Timothy. He was neither an elder or a deacon, but he was given a tremendous responsibility by the Lord through the words of Paul to appoint elders and deacons in these various congregations he was going uh, to as a preacher. What a great responsibility he had as a minister. We're all ministers of the gospel, those of us who decided to put on Christ in baptism. You've bought into the deal, and part of your contract is you're going to share the gospel with the world. And you can either do that passively or, uh, you know, as an aside, I mean, just how you live your life. You don't have to be a gospel preacher to share God's word with something. And those of you who may get nominated or consider becoming deacons, I urge you to do so with great prayer and great reverence and be ready to serve uh, in that role. Ecclesiastes 9.10, one of my favorite books of the Bible that some people look at as pessimistic uh, opinions of Solomon and all that he says, but all that he says is very factual. Ecclesiastes 9.10 begins, whatever your hand finds to do, do it with all your might. We can apply that in great many ways in our life. And those of you that are not involved in the ministry out here today, I know we all have children and we all have long work hours and we've got many things to do. I'm going to urge you to get off the sideline and get involved in one of these 40-some-odd ministries that there's opportunity to serve. 
We've got a minister that serves that need, JP. I can assure you, if you think you can't find something to do in this church, you call JP tomorrow, and he'll have something for you to do by the end of the day. And not all that involves going into prisons or into hospitals, but look around. Somehow around here, the computers work, the lights get replaced, the bushes and shrubs get trimmed, the bulletin gets put out, things are recorded and the sermons are recorded. There's things that happen in this congregation nobody ever sees the person in charge of, but they are work that is needed. And I urge you to get off the sidelines and do that. And those of you that are in your ministries and are working hard, I appreciate it so much. I appreciate those that are involved in the jail ministry so much. Uh, you're my heroes. Uh, and a great many of you people who teach young children. I'm going to go help my wife with a four-year-old class this morning. And that is something I have been looking forward to worse than getting up here in front of a thousand people and talking. Uh, much more challenging. I, I'm so thankful for the teachers and children. So thankful my daughter has the opportunity to have godly women to teach her. And uh, so thankful for other godly men that teach. If you're not a Christian this morning, if you haven't put on Christ in baptism, if you haven't made that commitment in your life uh, to follow him, I urge you to do so. I can tell you that it'll change your life. I'm not perfect. I still sin. I still foul up, and I'm not the best person in the world. And I'm not the model Christian probably every day. But God changed my life when Jesus Christ became my Lord and Savior. He, he changed the focus of my life. There's no way I would care about going to the jail and seeing people if I wasn't a Christian. And if you're not a Christian this morning, I urge you here, we have a song in a few minutes to respond to that. Brother Hackney is going to be up here, and we've got other ministers who be willing to talk to you about your needs. If you've been sitting on the sideline or you've kind of left God's church and haven't been active in it, and you're back here this morning and you're struggling, and you'd like to be back involved in that, you need prayers, there's plenty of people here surrounded by your whole congregation that would love to pray for you. If you have any needs whatsoever, please come forward as we stand, as we sing. Filled with sorrow and care, hearts are lonely and drear. Burdens are lifted at Calvary, Jesus is very near.